Hello and welcome to episode seven of the Semi-Cinematic Podcast. My name is Hunter. My name is John. My name is Max. We've talked about some high-caliber noirs and one comedy so far this month. <laughs> this week, Max has selected two neo-noirs for us to review. His first time watch is Carl Franklin's Devil in a Blue Dress. And it's also, and John, that's the first time watch for you, right? It sure is. All right. And then, um, and it's one that I watched earlier this year. And his rewatch is also a rewatch for me, but a first time watch for John. And it's Lawrence Kasdan's Body Heat. Uh, but before, before we get into the reviews, let's talk about what we've been watching. And let's start with you, Max. Uh, it's been a pretty good week for me. Um, well, pretty, pretty good diversity. I, I'm, I, I'll follow up. I did watch Censor. Uh, I, I braved that and I, I had a, I had, I had a good time watching that. Um, great kind of vibe to it and a uh, good story. Really, really no jump scares. So I, I, I just feel embarrassed, um, for how afraid of that movie I was. But no, I enjoyed that. Uh, I saw Dune a few more times. <laughs> Just well, we all saw, saw Dune. We should probably talk about that that one together. My friend yeah. is watching Dune on a laptop for the first watch, uh, and I offered to tell her to go see it in a theater, and she's like, "No, I'm disgusting. good." I listen. It, it concerned me as well. I don't know. I don't know uh, what to do. Uh, I tried to intervene, but she she's she's already like thirty minutes in when she even told me she was watching it on her laptop, and it was like, I don't know. That was a bad choice. It's a nice laptop, at least. Hopefully mm. she's wearing headphones. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I, I, mm. I, listen, I'm with you. I wish I had seen it in the, in the at least in the Dolby, because uh, it's, uh, that screen is just, it's huge. I love the it. sound. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that was, amazing. that was a, uh, that was a fun watch. I'm glad that I saw it in Dolby. I will, I will say that, so. Yeah, yeah Dune. I, I would love to see it in IMAX. I didn't know that uh, parts of it were shot like using IMAX cameras. Mm. Yeah, but I, uh, that's, I didn't but know that either. True IMAX, though, which you know, we, we won't get into IMAX, but oh no, <laughs> no. But Max, I think you um, you loved any now, now. Is it Villeneuve or Villeneuve? We did. Yeah, we did have this discussion, and I I I would say Villeneuve. I, I'll be. I'm sure I'll be corrected if that's incorrect. But yeah, I don't know. There's something about his movies that they're just a blast to watch. And, and even even the earlier stuff. I, I think I watched Polytechnique uh, earlier this year, and uh, you know, a, a vastly different movie uh, compared to Dune. But yeah, I don't know. There, there's there's a more of a human element, um, which I, I think is sometimes lost in Christopher Nolan's movies that um, just lends to the rewatchability for, for Denny Villeneuve's movies. So I don't know. He's creeping up there for me, but that was, uh, that was the big watch um, in terms of other ones. Nothing, nothing that stood out too much. I watched bad words uh, with Jason Bateman, 2013. I think it was, it was the first movie that he directed, but uh, you know, it was fine. Three star kind of raunchy comedy. Um, he sabotages the spelling bee, but there's some charming elements. And as you find out the reason of, you know, for why he's sabotaging this, this spelling bee, it, you know, it, it, it's interesting, but just, uh, a bit of a palate cleanser. 
Uh, Hold on. Is he sarcastic in the movie? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's Jason Bateman, <laughs> you know. <laughs> that might be mind-blowing to find out, but... <laughs> what? Yeah, shocker. I can say for once, finally. I know. I like him. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just saying it's always sarcastic, but he does it well. He's a bit, yeah, he's a bit pigeonholed into the uh, sarcastic kind of... But let me see. Other than that... Oh, and I watched Niagara, um, which I, I, I enjoyed... I think that's got what the record for the longest shot of a of a of a walk. Is that what it is? No, um, I don't know. Yeah, Marilyn Marilyn Monroe's walk when she um is leaving the car. I think it's the longest filmed walk or something like that. She it's some sort of record. I'll have to look it up. But interesting. Yeah. Other than that, just you know, that, a keeper a creepy cinematographer just following her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no dialogue. Yeah, it's just her. It's just her walking away, um, which is not why I watched it. It was on the Criterion um, Fox Noir collection, um, which you know, I highly recommend. Yeah, uh, I'd like to rewatch it because I've never seen it in HD, and I remember really, really liking it as a kid. Is is the um, isn't the other actress? Is it is it Gene Simmons or Gene Crane? Oh no, Gene Peters. Gene Peters, yes, from Pick Up yeah. on South Street, right? Yeah, which was a great movie that you recommended that I watched. Yeah, I, I love I, Pick Up on South Street. Yeah, she's um, yeah, it's a good cast: Marilyn Monroe, Joseph Cotton, who I really like, um, Gene Peters. So, uh, definitely recommend that one. Um, love a good technical, and uh, yeah, oddly enough, a, a, a noir that was filmed in Technicolor. Um, mm. There's so. not too many of those. No, which you know they're always those are always fun to watch. So yeah, I had I a pretty. Like Leave her to heaven is the only other, other one that I can think of. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I'm I'm sure there's a handful, but I know that that's that this one's notable for that reason. So yeah, if you if you've got Criterion and or just want to watch it, then I I highly recommend Niagara. Nice. Is that all you've got? Uh yeah. Yep. All right. Well, John, since um since Max didn't let us talk about it. When he was talking about it, should you and I talk about how we felt about Dune? Sure. I wanted to save it, you know. Oh, are we going to save it? No, 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 for, for you to bring up. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Lots of uh, vehicles <laughs> disembarking. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There's a lot of sand, think, of course. Those um, those are dragonfly ships or whatever, those are cool. I've got to say yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, the design of everything in the movie is is pretty is pretty sweet, and we only saw it in a regular, the, the regular old theater. No, no Dolby, no IMAX. Uh, it was it was. I mean, it was cool. I don't. It's not a five yet for me, but it was like a impressive four and a quarter. Uh, I think it's also something where it's almost tough to evaluate it when it's only half of the finished complete mm. thing story, you know, it's just, it's a lot of, I think you mentioned like a lot of you're in, getting introduced to characters and, you know, situations. There's a lot of exposition, uh, but definitely some flashes that are really compelling. Like the, uh, that voice, yeah, command voice or whatever. Oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to know anything about Dune. I've never read the book. I haven't seen the David Lynch version. So I kind of went in 
I mean, I know there's like a sandworm, and uh, I know they like drink water or whatever out of that little tube thing on their face. But I, I, other than that, I didn't really know that much about it going in. But um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Villeneuve, I'm a big Villeneuve fan as well. So uh, I definitely enjoyed it. I know Hunter, like it's a movie where you weren't like completely energized going in. So it's a lot of just like, it's tough to, it doesn't really jumpstart your energy if you're not hyped up going in. It's a lot of just like long. uh, It's a hard late night watch. Yeah. 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 For about 35 or 40 minutes, I was really struggling and then it won me over um, with its, you know, stunning visuals and, uh, and I did, I did really like it. I mean, so far I would say it's probably my favorite movie I've seen this year. Although I, the last night in Soho re- rewatch is going to be interesting because that's one that's really stuck with me. Which was, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll see, but yeah, I did really like Dune. I've liked, I think all of his movies since I've only the, the oldest movie I think I've seen of his was was Prisoners. I don't know if Prisoners or Enemy came out first. Hmm. Uh, I think Enemy, but maybe I just saw Enemy first. It's really close. It's definitely, I think it's back to back. Yeah, I, I like both of those. Same movies. year, 2013. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah. Now, yeah, I've liked everything except uh, I was not a big fan of Arrival. Oh, um, dang! But I like everything else. I love Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and I think Sicario is pretty awesome too. Love is not the universal language for Hunter. <laughs> my no. my a friend of mine I saw Arrival with really didn't like it and was really kind of trashing it, and I I really liked it. Uh, I was just impressed with, I don't know, some of the stuff, just like the way the language. I, I was impressed seeing it, but um, not everyone I was with was, so I think it's a little bit polarizing. Right, yeah, it didn't grab me. I think yeah. uh, <clears throat> I, I, I really am not a fan of, of Jeremy Renner. I don't think he brings anything to a movie. Yeah, I'm not weird. I don't. I I remember not disliking him in um, the Catherine Bigelow movie. Oh, what's that movie called? Uh, uh, it won Best Dark Picture. Zero, not no, Zero Dark no, no, Thirty. No. The one before that. Oh, Hurt Locker. Yeah, I remember enjoying Hurt Locker mm-hmm. and not minding him in it, but I haven't cared for him in, in anything else really. Yeah, I don't, I don't really ever like get excited that he's in the movie or anything. I could like take him or leave him, I guess. Sorry, Jeremy. <laughs> well, <laughs> these things happen. <laughs> I'm sure he's heard worse. Right, John, so. What else did you watch? Well, we uh, watched last night in Soho all together. Yes. Yeah. Um, I guess I've seen so few 2021 films overall. It might be, it might be my favorite one so far. Uh, that's not, that's not, well, nice. I don't know. Am I forgetting something? I don't know. Uh, huh. Well, like, Halloween I mean, Kills is probably up there. Halloween Kills is up there in the fact that I've only seen like seven, so it would be in the top seven. Yeah, <laughs> but it's probably seventh. No. Well, yeah, I think I did, like. I, I think I liked the Lake House better than 
Halloween Kills, honestly. And that one wasn't great either. It was yeah. kind of good. That one had more... It just kind of like had an unsatisfying ending, sort of. Uh, I, take, I take the Nighthouse over Halloween Kills. It was yeah. a better overall story. Yeah, definitely better overall story. I agree. Um, yeah, really fun. I, I want to see it again. Uh, last night in Soho. Uh, it's definitely. I've definitely been thinking about it afterwards more than Dune. But again, I think that's the Dune thing is just aim to see both both parts. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just a fun. This is one thing I don't like about Last Night in Soho that we talked about. But um, other than that, like it's really interesting. The performances are good. I guess some people have had issues with the script, but I didn't really feel that watching it. And um, goes pretty quick. Like it, mm-hmm. it, was, it was like I was like engaged the whole time. And I never. I know there's. I know we talked about um, kind of a lull in the middle, but didn't really hit me much. I was I was pretty compelled, and uh, some unexpected things happen. Goes in the directions you may not see coming, which I always enjoy. Uh, no, it's a lot. It was a lot of fun. I, I'm looking forward to seeing it again. I can't really see it going down. I could see it maybe getting a little bit higher as far as the star rating. Yeah, yeah. I think it would go. Well, I, I'm, I think it would go up for me, but but we'll see. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the first. Like forty-five minutes or an hour, I absolutely loved. And then once it starts getting into scares, I feel like the scares become pretty repetitious. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't crazy about the uh, the ghosts in the in the movie, but um, I did love the performances though, and I, I think I would really enjoy it, uh, you know, a second time. Yeah, the ghosts. Which I will say, yeah, me too. I was going to say, I, I saw this again with, with Jenny, and the f- fun that I had with this movie was, like, you know, knowing what happens, kind of being able to pay attention more. And the ghosts and how they look actually made more sense on a rewatch. Um, oh, okay. Because of one of the characters kind of revealing some things about her, like, about their memories and whatnot. And... and you're like, uh, so it's kind of one of those like, I like that makes sense of why they look this way. So then I didn't mind the ghost as much, kind of once I realized that, if that makes sense. Yeah, mm. that does make sense. It's interesting so, how things, some things that you, I don't know. This the second a second watch is so interesting because all you don't have to worry about plot and you just see these things that are being given to you, but you may not notice as them being important you're not sure what's necessarily important at the first watch but the second watch you kind of gain these tidbits that you may not have fully um encompassed the first time and it, it just makes it a different experience and if it's mm-hmm. a good film it usually just enriches it and if it's a so-so film that you let slide a little bit it kind of gets more exposed the more you watch it yeah um, yeah i think i looked at my list for the year and uh Last Night in Soho, Dune, and this um, kind of romantic comedy called Together Together are my three favorites so far. Nothing else gets over a three and a half. But I've only seen like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven features. A couple TV shows are on that list, but we'll not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen six or seven. Yeah, probably six or seven movies from this year. 
Um, and John, uh, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about? Uh, I saw one of the Fox Noirs, Where the Sidewalk Ends. Really enjoyed it. Um, just, just really interesting story. Um, good performances. The directions, um, it's good. It's just kind of, it's more straightforward. It's not as aggressive with the um, lighting, and it doesn't really distract you from the story, if that makes sense. Um, Preminger, man, he is a Preminger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's such. I mean, I know he's like kind of the worst, like as far as how he treats. <laughs> I think mostly women in like that he directed, but like his films, I, I really he's good. Like I've had a lot of good experiences watching. Premature films, and this is another, another good one. Love, love, uh, Gene Tierney. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting. Like, it's not. There's no real. Some of the some of the noir cliches are not in this film, but it's very compelling, um, nonetheless. And uh, I would definitely recommend it. I know Hunters was a favorite of yours as a kid, right? Yeah, I loved it when I was a kid. I mean, I don't know exactly how young I was when I saw it, but um, I, I, I watched Laura when I was really young and, and liked it and then watched, um, like my grandparents watched, we watched other Dana Andrews movies and Where the Sidewalk Ends, I know was one of them. But yeah, I remember loving that one. Now, is there, well, I, uh, never mind, because Max, you haven't seen it, right? I, I'm actually, I'm... I've got 20 minutes left of it, so... Oh, okay. Yeah, I watched it this morning, but but couldn't finish it. Okay, so... Well, maybe I won't talk about any story thing, just because I don't know exactly where it happens in the movie, but... but yeah, it's, it's one I remember watching quite a bit as a kid. Wait, this Laura, or Where the Sidewalk Ends? Oh, Where the Sidewalk Ends. Yeah, okay. I, I mean, I'm... Yeah, I most of it I figured out, but... Maybe we can save that one. And then I watched cool. uh, Dolls from 1987, directed by Stuart Gordon, who did um, Reanimator from Beyond. It was pretty crap. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was, it was like it was watchable, and um, I couldn't like hate watching it, but the acting was. It's one of those horror films where the acting is a little bit over the top, like the they're just trying too hard, and. There's a little kid in it, and like she's not terrible, but she's not great either. It's just kind of weird. The acting's weird, and uh, the most fun part is uh, when some of the dolls get uh, they're attacking people and they get like destroyed. There's like some like it's like it looks like a regular doll, but inside there's like skeleton type body. It's, it's, it was cool. That part was cool. There were some cool effects, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those that it just didn't work for me. It's fun to watch, you know, being an '80s more light, lighter horror film. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. It's like if it's on and you have nothing else to do, sure. But there's mm-hmm. better. His, his other films are that I've seen are a lot more fun and interesting and entertaining for sure. But you know, this is what happens. They can't all be winners. Or else, how would we know what was good and what was bad? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's a good point. That's about it for me. I think. Um, yeah, that's 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 my picks. I mean, my watches for the week. 
All right. Well, I think I'm only going to talk about one that I watched recently. I watched Abel Ferrara's King of New York. And this is one of the best movies I've watched this year. I, oh, I wow. love King of New York. Um, it's Christopher Walken, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, Wesley Snipes. And, uh, I think it came out in, ni- I think it came out in 1990. Yeah, I think it's the same year as Goodfellas. Yep, 90. But, hmm. um, it's an awesome crime movie. C- Christopher Walken is amazing in it. The direction is really good. Um, the dialogue is, is great. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It's a, it's also, it's not a big epic gangster movie, which I liked. It's, you know, fairly, you know, contained story, but it is, it's awesome. Definitely highly recommend King of New York. I don't know where I watched it on. I know it's streaming somewhere. Maybe Canopy? It's on Canopy and Criterion. Criterion. Yeah, the New York Oh, series. okay. Yeah, I probably watched it on Criterion, but... Yeah, I haven't seen yeah. it. I, I'm definitely interested. I, I like some Abel Ferrer films, so I definitely want to check it out. Yeah, I've seen very few of his movies. I love Miss 45. I think that, that movie's awesome. It is wild. I, I really like it too. I watched it earlier this year. It is... Um, it is... Uh, yeah, there's not. I haven't seen too much like it. It's very interesting. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I rewatched it probably four or five months ago, and I hadn't seen it in a, a really long time. But yeah, I love that movie. And King of New York is it's it's amazing. All right. Well, um, are you all ready to go into the first review? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So first, we're going to talk about Carl Franklin's Devil in a Blue Dress. Ezekiel Rollins, L.A., was a world of sunshine and shadows. Hey, easy. How you doing, baby? Junior. Take easy on upstairs. Black and white. We got no work here. Sorry, fella. My name's not fella. My name is Ezekiel Rollins. So here you need a job. What kind of work you do? I'm just looking for somebody. Daphne Monet. Fiance of Todd Carter. She's been gone two weeks. See, Daphne has a predilection for the company of Negroes. He thought he knew how to play the game. And have y'all seen a white girl by the name of Dahlia, Delilah, or something like that? Her name is Daphne. You can't get none of that tonight. You know? Until he stepped into a world. Why don't you tell me about your friend Daphne? Tell her woman ain't good enough for you no more, Heinz. Where there are no rules. Why are you arresting me? How much time did you leave Greta James' house this morning? What is going on? She's not going to be waking up, Ezekiel. He's looking for a woman no one wants found. Was there anyone with you? A young lady named Daphne Monet, perhaps? The incumbent mayor, the chief of police, close personal friends of mine. Then they can help us find her. No, they can't. And getting in deeper than he ever expected. Uh-huh. This is Daphne Monet. You're looking for me. I don't know if I should think of you as a friend or as a private dick. Surrounded by lies. You can't trust me, Mr. Rollins. I am the next mayor, and luckily for you, a friend of the Negro. Seduced by power. Unless I give the cops a killer by tomorrow morning, I'm going to jail. Easy Rollins is searching. Not very smart talking about Mr. Carter's business. There's too much going on for me to give a damn about what you think is smart. For the truth. Who killed her? I don't know. Don't lie to me! Start up my car, keep it hot, I'm coming out fast. Let's go! Get her. No! No, don't shoot him. 
want you to pull it off. Yeah, why don't you scream, huh? And um, Carl Franklin, he started his career in Hollywood as an actor. He, he was in a lot of TV shows. And that this was before he attended AFI in the 80s, and he got a master's degree in directing. He made a few movies for Roger Corman before getting his big break on the neo-noir thriller One False Move. Have, have either one of you seen One False Move? No. No. no I haven't either. I, I know it gets really good reviews. Like, I think it gets it was... Re, like better received than Devil in a Blue Dress was, but it was on hmm. the Criterion channel recently, but I don't think it's on there anymore. Hmm. Yeah, it's one I definitely yeah. want to check out at some point. Um, but the producer of that movie saw, uh, her name is uh, Jessie, Jessie Beaton. She saw Carl Franklin's student film uh, titled Punk, and she and he got the the gig based off of that of that uh, student film. And then she also went on to produce Devil in a Blue Dress. And Jonathan Demme is a producer on the film as well. And his cinematographer who shot Silence of the Lambs, uh, he shot Devil in a Blue Dress. And Franklin, he hasn't made very many features, but he's made a ton of television over the past 20 years. Like, I know he's directed some episodes of Mindhunter and uh, House of Cards and The Pacific. So he's done you know some pretty big TV series. Yeah. Huh. And this is kind of surprising to me, but Devil in a Blue Dress kind of bombed at the box office. And and this is after Denzel Washington had made Malcolm X, Philadelphia, and Crimson Tide. And so it seems like he would be like at the peak of his star power at this point. So it's kind of strange that it, it was a failure. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you wonder if it's like marketing, you know? Honestly. Yeah. Yeah, it could have been. You just never know. But, uh, some of you feel like should do better, and they just don't for some reason. Or it's timing, or they don't give it enough of a chance, or enough like like the studio doesn't trust it enough, or something. I don't know. It's definitely weird that it wouldn't have done better. Mm-hmm. It seems like just uh, even just one clip of Don of a scene with Don Cheadle would have you know sold tickets all over the world. Cheeto was so good in this, I have to say. He's yeah. awesome in it. <laughs> he got He's nominated amazing. for Academy Award, right? Or I think he got nominated for some something on for this. Oh, was he? Oh, I, I don't know. I actually didn't look up to see if this was nominated for anything. I'm pretty sure he was. Yeah, right. what, did, uh, what did you guys think of this movie? Uh, Max, let's start with uh, start with you. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, main motivation was you know, trying to find again sticking with the '90s theme and and you know neo noir. Um, this you know was highly um, up on some lists and and I, Hunter, I know you had watched it and I didn't want to pick another one star film. So, uh, <laughs> but no, I you know I, you can't go wrong with Denzel and and I again I like the the concept of. You know, well, '90s is not it's not so much modern anymore, but a '90s film, you know, centered on 1940s LA, and you, yeah, this 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 was a an enjoyable watch. Um, I I think again, there there's something uh, I don't know. I guess you can call it comforting or you know, a similar word for for '90s films. Um, for me, at least personally, but you know, watching them, there's there's just like 
I don't know. It feels like going home for the holidays or something where there's, you, you can just kind of settle in and, and, and enjoy what you're watching. There's obviously some, some trash. There's plenty of trash, but, um, you know, this one was, uh, was good. And it, it's got a, it's got a good story from the beginning. Um, you've kind of got, you know, a, a down and out Denzel Washington who, um, you know, is this like responsible, um, kind of well put together. Well, for the time, at least, I mean, cause that's, that's the, one of the, one of the big things they point out in the very beginning is, you know, he owns a home. And so he's got, you know, as we all do, you know, bills to pay and, and a mortgage payment and, and things like that. And so, um, and he's lost his job at the factory. And so you're just trying to make some money. And so I, I think, again, you know, whenever you've got that set up, uh, you're, you're always kind of engaged in, you know, from the, from the get go of like, what, what is this guy going to get, you know, himself into? Yeah. And, uh, John, what did you think? Uh, this is probably going to sound like an insult, but I thought this film was very, um, was capable, was capable of the word, um, competent, competent. Yeah. Very competent. Like it's, it's like all the elements are there. It's well shot, well acted, interesting enough. It's not like, it's not like a blow you away. Like, I can't believe I saw this film. I'm never going to forget this film situation, but it's yeah. really good. And like, I can see where Max is saying 80s films are more like this for me than nineties, but I can see where it's like a little bit of a comforting watch. I don't know. It's, it flows really well. Um, I don't think I've actually seen a ton of Denzel Washington films, but the second he comes on the screen, like he has your attention and you want to see what he's going to do next. Like he's very, you can see why he's a, he became a huge movie star. Like sometimes you just, see um big stars in early roles and you know why they got as big as they did um yeah i uh, cheeto is great every time he's on screen like mm-hmm. he seals every scene he's in um there's a fight scene in denzel washington's house that's really well shot and it just it just feels really real like some fight scenes you can just sell like you can just get the vibe of all these punches are not even coming close. It just, it just felt like a fight would actually be, I don't know. It had that intensity to it. Um, my only issue really, sometimes the voiceover, which for the most part, I usually like in noir and neo-noir. Like it, it got a little tiresome for me in this film for some reason. Um, mm. And I don't know why that guy is cutting down trees in the neighborhood. I want yes. to know more about that. It's so interesting. Oh, I love stuff like that. It's like you never see and like these weird <laughs> elements to films that are otherwise fairly standard, not in a bad way. It's just like, you know, there's certain formula to these noir films. But yeah, there's this, these little interesting outlying plot elements always interest me. I, I don't know what that was about. I guess he was just trying to like do something and then get paid for it after because like it's like it's been done. And you mm. can't really go back to putting a tree uncut, but it's weird. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, like, very well, weird. Yeah. I do have a note of what is the deal with the trees? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. It's something I also like about um, as a person that's not married and like has lived alone for a long time. I'm always interested in these films where there's like a loner protagonist who is trying to figure things out. Like I can just relate to these flawed um main characters i like seeing where they go i I like that he has you can see like 
his character has like a lot of good things. Like he has like a moral code, um, but he's also willing to do things that are a little bit, you know, not on the up and up. If that makes sense. Even though he kind of gets tricked mm-hmm. into his his job in this situation, like he doesn't really know what he's getting into until it's too late. Uh, I don't know. I, I, like, I like he was a very likable. A guy you wanted to see turn out okay in the end, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, yeah. So I, um, as Max said, you know, I just I did just watch this movie pretty recently. And Max, when you selected it, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I I did wonder if I could bring myself to rewatch it because <laughs> I had seen it in the last four or five months. But of course, I, I you know. I press play. The movie happened in front of me again, and I'm glad that I rewatched <laughs> it because it, it it's a very entertaining movie. It I kind of I do agree with you, John. I don't think like it doesn't reach great heights. There's only there, like the climactic shootout. I think is awesome. Yeah, I think it's really exciting. I think the editing is perfect, and of course, John Cheadle is unbelievable. I I love. You rarely see like a loose cannon. Uh, character who is also as likable as his character is. Like sometimes yeah. Luke Cannon can be yeah. really frustrating, but I I think he's he's great in this. I love after the shootout where Denzel finds that he's killed Joppy. Is that the bartender's name? Is it Joppy? Yeah, Joppy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Denzel asks him like why he killed him, and and I can't remember the line verbatim, but I think Don Cheadle said something like, "What else would you expect when you leave someone with me?" <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Yeah. It was yeah. something like the work it was requiring to like keep him restrained or something. Like this was easier just to kill him. Oh, okay. I I really like Tom Sizemore. Like he's just the ultimate scumbag. I, I don't know if he's if I would say he's a great actor, but he always brings his, you know, unique brand of scum and villainy to every performance and I think he's kind of fun to watch. Yeah, I like watching him too. He's he's interesting to me for sure. And I, I love Denzel Washington. I, I and like John, I, like I haven't seen a lot of his movies either. But every time I watch one of his movies, I always think he's uh, he's he's pretty great. And and he's not. I mean, he does his usual thing. Like he he just has like natural charisma and star power. You know, he's not like yeah, he's not like Sean Penn or Daniel Day Lewis. Like he doesn't really like become a character. But I kind of prefer like movie star performances a little more now, uh, to like you know comparing them to like method acting. I kind of like what like star power brings to a movie. And yeah, I can't find any like major flaws. Um, I do agree that the voiceover isn't very strong. It just doesn't add anything. Like, yeah, it's not like super clever voiceover. or anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like, you know, comparing it to earlier film noirs, like, have you guys seen Murder My Sweet? No. I don't. It's based on a Raymond Chandler book, and, and he's just a really witty writer anyways. Like, he wrote The Big Sleep, and, um, I think Murder My Sweet, I think it's actually another Philip Marlowe story, come to think of it. It is, but, yeah. Yeah, I just pulled it up. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the voiceover, you know, is more clever and witty, and, um, 
And you get to know the character better from it. Whereas I feel like Denzel Washington's uh, voiceover in this just kind of tells you what's happening in the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess, I guess in, in some of the older um, noirs too, like the story is so complex sometimes that if you don't have the voiceover, you can't really follow what's going on. You need like that extra judge of not like explaining definitely everything to you, but like you just need something else that the, that the actual scenes can't provide to kind of tie mm-hmm. things together a little bit. And this, mm-hmm. this film is, is, is the plot's more straightforward. So the voiceover isn't really, like you said, isn't adding, adding anything. So it's kind of just there in a way. Some feels at least. And he's and I, also, I, his delivery of it is very laid back. Mm-hmm. And, and not that, I mean, if you're like a character who's in, trying to think of how to describe the situation he's in, he's not, um, he's not like paranoid, but he's definitely, I mean, he's in a, how would you describe his, his situation? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's definitely stressed. Yeah, he's stressed. And I, and I guess, although, um, anxiety, filled voiceover might might be pretty hard to listen to actually i'm getting some anxiety thinking about it (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah like hard pressed like kind of yeah i mean again just in a in a rough spot desperate i I mean yeah he's definitely desperate yeah he just he needs to make his mortgage and you know he's going to take this job yeah but no overall though i did um i did really enjoy rewatching it. I think the direction is really good. Um, I love that opening shot, how it, it feels like it's just like a dolly shot, just kind of going down the street until the camera goes up to the second story and then like kind of through the window where you see Denzel Washington for the first time. Yeah, I like that too. That mm-hmm. was that was nice. Yeah, that was that was cool. That was a good way to start or introduce us. Um, there's also one other note I had, there's this slow motion shot of a newspaper being delivered, and it kind of like hits the ground and it goes like, like really slow and like loud and like there's nothing. They don't show the paper. There's nothing from that. It just like doesn't address it. <laughs> I don't know what that huh. was. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't remember minor, that actually. These are minor things. Things yeah. That, yeah, which and I will say uh, minor things. Um, this may have had like at least for this year a top ten line for me. Oh, uh, let's hear it! Yeah, at one point he he is firmly entrenched in this mystery, and he's walking and it's a voiceover and he says, "Everybody was peeing on my head and telling me it was rain." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I enjoyed that too. I think I remember enjoying that. <laughs> and that was like the yeah. way he, like his delivery of that. And like the moment in the movie, when it comes, I was like, that's a, I need to write that down. That was, that was a, <laughs> that was a good line. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly, a similar line is in body heat. Again, these movies get tied together in the weirdest ways. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Is it? Hey lady. Is it involved? I'm oh, just kidding. <laughs> Um, it has something to do with wearing a hat, right? Yeah, and uh, the other bodily function. Yeah, no, I, I remember. 
<laughs> yeah, we'll we'll get to that movie. You uh, calm down, John. Wow, this this uh the this show title could be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and a one and a two is the is the show title. <laughs> and a one and a two. Uh, I could work, but <laughs> but don't do it. Yeah, yeah. No, I. This was yeah. And again, yeah. I I think we're all in agreement. You know, it it, it was a. Uh, you know, kind of like, kind of like easy listening, easy watching, um, not too frust- you know not too frustrating, and and I'm from what I can hear, glad to hear that you know everyone kind of had the same experience with it. So definitely pleased. Let's rate this right. motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's 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 rate this. Um, uh, Max, what would you give it? I'm going to go with a firm three point five. Um, yeah. You know, again, enjoyed it. Uh, wouldn't mind a rewatch if it was on TV, but um, yeah, not not in the top, not in the top tier uh, of of favorite movies. Yeah, and John, uh, I was leaning three point five most of the film, but there's so little wrong with it. I'm gonna go three point seven five out of five. Mm. John, I'm I'm also giving it a three point seven five. All right. Yeah, we're up, we up point two five for my previous rating. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I like that we all got the same experience from this because that is not always the case, or it's been yeah. more not the case so far. Yeah, it's just a, it's a very easy to watch, just entertaining movie. And Denzel is just, I I just think he's great. I I can I can always watch pretty much any of his movies. Yeah, I'm gonna get some more Denzel in my on my calendar for the rest of the year. Yeah, I actually um He Got Game is on HBO Max, so I'm gonna try to watch that soon. And if if you guys haven't seen Malcolm X, it is unbelievable. You know what? I don't think I have. I think um last year I think I made a list of my like best first time watches and I'm pretty sure Malcolm X was in the top five. I, I I loved it. It's it's definitely my favorite Spike Lee movie for sure. Okay. It's more carving out the time I think for me because yeah, two o two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it's an epic for sure. <laughs> worth worth good a good a uh, good weekend watch. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Bring some snacks. Yeah, or bring <laughs> breakfast and lunch. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or just brunch. For brunch, yeah. Just have one meal. All right. Well, moving into the second feature. This is a, a rewatch for Max. Mm-hmm. And John, you've actually rewatched this up to this point, right? I rewatched it last night. Oh, unbelievable. Uh, nice. <laughs> All right. So the next movie is um, Body Heat, written and directed by Lawrence Kasdan. Stand there with me if you want, but you'll have to agree not to talk about the heat. I'm a married woman. Meaning what? Meaning I'm not looking for company. 
You should have said I'm a happily married woman. That's my business. What? How happy I am. And how happy is that? You're not too smart, are you? <laughs> I like that in a man. What else do you like? Lazy, ugly, horny? I got them all. You don't look lazy. <laughs> Tell me, does chat like this work with most women? Some, if they haven't been around much. I wondered. Thought maybe I was out of touch. I might buy you a drink. I told you, I've got a husband. I'll buy him one, too. He's out of town. Favorite kind. We'll drink to him. Only comes up on weekends. <laughs> I'm liking him better all the time. This is his directorial debut. He had previously written a couple of little-known movies called The Empire Strikes Back and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Hmm. Yeah. Low profile. Yeah. Very low profile. Indie films. And this is also where he would <laughs> oh. work with frequent... Oh, did you say something, John? Well, he said indie films, and I was like, well, Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's true. <laughs> oh, there you go, that works. <laughs> um, and this is also where he would work with William Hurt for the first time. And after seeing William Hurt in this, who wouldn't want to collaborate with William Hurt as many times as possible? We, I'm sure we'll talk about this you know, a lot during the review, but he is awesome. I mean, did you guys love William Hurt in this movie? I love William Hurt in a mustache. I got to say, I haven't really yeah. seen him in a mustache before. It really worked for him. I, yeah, uh, absolutely. I might not have believed Kathleen Turner and him together without the mustache. I think that kind of tied it together for me. <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah. like he looked cooler. Uh, mm -hmm. he's, uh, no, he's he's great in this for sure. Yeah, uh, I think he's a great actor in general, but he's kind of almost made for this role. It seems like. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, this is a perfect role for him. All right, this movie is obviously inspired by Double Indemnity. And Max, you hinted at this in the last episode in your priceless pivot from your stand pick to your preview of this <laughs> week's episode. Get, do, you, do you recall that? Can you make that transition exactly the way you did it again? Would you be able to? Or that is that a life transition. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a peak performance. It was, it was incredible. <laughs> um... I remember yes, this movie. it was really great. <laughs> I, it was really strong. If you could see me, I'm bowing right now. So, you know. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. In this story, it's it's set in Florida, and crime in Florida has been has provided audiences with a, a lot of quality entertainment. Absolutely. Uh, Spring Breakers might be the peak of Florida crime. <laughs> it's difficult to say. I remember liking Night Moves. Quite a bit with um, with Gene Hackman. Now I can't remember. Does any of does Out of Sight take place in Florida, or does parts of it? I've never seen it. Oh, okay. But I love Leonard Out of Sight. Yeah, I've been wanting to watch it. It just hasn't hasn't happened. Yeah, I remember. It, it might be my favorite Soderbergh movie, but I I don't know. It's been so long since I've seen it. I wonder if that's one that's just never streaming. Well, it's on Peacock. Oh, Peacock. okay. Yeah, Peacock free and premium. Okay. No, no Florida nice. crime. Pain and gain. That's a that's a fun. Oh, one. I really yeah, enjoyed my, Pain and Gain. I was so surprised by that. I was so pleasantly surprised by it. Well, Michael Bay. I mean, he loves Miami. I I, I think well, Bad Boys takes place in Miami, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, and I didn't actually look into too much background information on this movie because well, one, 
John, you, you said you had just so much to say about this movie. So, <laughs> so I wanted oh, no. to give you, I wanted to let you go first. Uh, were you, were you completely blown away by body heat? It's in my top 150. Whoa. Dang. First That's watch. big stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, loved every minute of it. One of the few films I've seen where there's like some pretty, uh, pretty sexual sex. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't feel gratuitous to me. Like it feels like it belongs there. It kind of sets up the rest of the film. It doesn't feel like oh, I'm throwing all this in just so I, we see more, you know, nudity in this film. It it felt like it didn't it didn't feel gratuitous at all to me. Um, writing's really good. There's some shots that are just like there's a shot where Kathleen Turner gets William Hurt that hat and. He, she's in the car and he wants to see it and then mm. rolls up the window and you see his face. It goes from her face to his. I don't know. That shot alone is like a half star bump. <laughs> so cool. Um, score is really fun. It has like kind of a Hitchcock De Palma type vibe. Uh, I also love Double Indemnity. So that's top 150 also. So I love films like this. Um, the chemistry between Kathleen Turner and William Hurt is really convincing. Like, it works. They just have there's just a subtle things in the way to interact that other couples in this situation just wouldn't pull off as well. Um, I love the locations they choose for this. Um, I love that the house that Kathleen Turner lives in, isolated. Like the interiors are beautiful. Um, the film just looks so good. The writing, like every every element, it's just it's just such an interesting film. I, you know what's weird is. Uh, I watched the trailer for this, and they did a really strange thing with the trailer. There's no dialogue. There's just, like, a bunch of clips and then, like, the sound of a match striking over and over. Um, hmm. It's it's worth a watch. It's very it's, – it's a weird one. It's it's kind of a short trailer, but I like when trailers are a little bit different than the norm. It doesn't give too much away for a movie that you don't want a lot to be given away on. Uh, Have you guys seen the – um, TV spot for The Exorcist. This sounds awesome, but no, no. Uh -uh. <laughs> oh, it it is it's wild. I actually the last time I logged The Exorcist, I I linked the TV spot in the review. You guys should check it out. It is crazy. Have you gotten to Exorcist two yet? No, no, I didn't watch it. I um. I, I will maybe this month. Does HBO Max either. does it does it tell you like when something's leaving? Ooh. Ooh, I don't know that it does. You know how some services say like leaving at you know March thirty first or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I haven't seen that with this one. Mm. Oh, before I forget, Ted Danson's dancing. Yeah, yeah. Now, now I have a theory about that. I think that that was his idea. <laughs> I can see that. Oh yeah, I, it's hard yeah. to think that Kazdan would think of that. It just feels like something that is improvised for sure. I love even the fact that he orders two iced teas every mm. time. It's just these little elements are great. I'm I'm all about this film. Both watches, so into it. Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't. I mean, I was excited to see it, but I didn't think I would like it this much. Um, I can't really find anything wrong with it. To be honest, I think maybe nice. on the second watch, when you know what's going to happen, maybe you can see like a couple 
minor plot holes, but I think that's just sometimes you look into things so much that you're going to find something. Um, yeah. yeah. I was so glad that this was picked, Max. Thank you. I love it. Like, yeah. sometimes, sometimes I watch a lot of good stuff, but nothing that really wows me, and it's nice to know that there's stuff I haven't seen that can still wow me. So, mm. big yeah. fan. Yeah, I do what I can. <laughs> it's appreciated. <laughs> no. It, yeah. uh, and Max, obviously you wanted to rewatch this, so I'm, yeah, I'm assuming that you're uh, a fan as well. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I, like John said earlier, you know, rewatches are always so interesting where, you know, the film either improves upon, you know, the first watch or, you know, you're just like, why did I like this movie? Um, but, you know, watching this again, like John, like you're saying, like, you know, there's things like, you, you know, what's going to happen. And so now you can kind of focus on like the background details. Um, and so, you know, I, I like the the, you know, the the opening of the movie, you know, with the house fire um, and, you know, again, just capturing the the overall vibe that, you know, this this film is going to present. Um, and, yeah, Ted Danson, I think, from the very beginning, uh, is just such a great character. I, I made a note, too, that, you know, the, this has a great, I called it a, a woman in white moment, but... Um, the reveal of Kathleen Turner and I think of like uh, Lana Turner in the postman always rings twice. And I'm only saying that cause I just watched that the other week, but <laughs> you know, again, just this moment of like, okay, here, you know, here's, here's the main lead, the femme fatale. And yeah, that's a great um, reveal for her kind of leaving the crowd of this concert. Um, she has a great line in that first interaction, she says, uh, you're not too smart. I like that in a man. (laughs) (laughs) Again, just like setting up that, like this, you know, William Hurd is just all in on Kathleen Turner, um, and is going to do, uh, whatever is required to, to be with her, uh, including throwing a chair (laughs) through the, through through the window. Um, (laughs) Some, but, like, but again, for me, like that, like that would feel so stupid in a different movie. Um, that scene of, of him <laughs> just throwing a chair through through the uh, the front window. Um, but in this movie, it, you know, it, it works. It makes sense, and um, it, it does a great job of, like, of capturing just um, the you know where William Hurt's head is at, and you know how much. Uh, Kathleen Turner, you know, her character has kind of him in his, in her grasps. Uh, so, you know, again, that, um, that was fun. And yeah, I mean, again, the dialogue, which you would expect, I mean, again, being directed by, by Lawrence Kasdan, who, you know, obviously we've talked about previously, um, has some of the, you know, greatest screenwriting, um, credits in, in, in film history. You would imagine that, you know, a film, you know, written by him would, would, would hold up just as well. But, um, it's kind of special, like, a special place as, you know, for me, just, you know, living in Florida and, and being a fan of, of all things Florida in general. It was, it's, it's just, it's just fun to see the, the little hints and, and, and little, uh, I think he's got a couple times he wears his FSU shirt. Yeah, yeah. While he's out on his runs, which I always laugh at. Um, and this has to be an 80s, 80s and 90s thing. But I think at the end of all of his runs, he um, smokes a cigarette. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. I Which, love that. Yeah. I, uh, you know, again, I, you know, I, I would say bring that back, but, but probably not. <laughs> um, but no, I, yeah, this, this movie just held up really well. Um, I, I loved it. I, I, I'll need to add it to the Bluesium, uh, for sure. But, and I mean, the ending too. I, you know, uh, uh, yeah, anyway, we'll, we'll get into it, but, yep, rewatch held up really well, and I, I love this one. Nice. Yeah, I hope this has a good Blu-ray. Um, I, I actually don't. I don't. I don't own this movie. I think it is it streaming on Criterion Channel or HBO Max. HBO Max. H. Okay. Yep. HBO Max. Um. But yeah. Well, from from the very beginning, I mean, when you hear John Barry's score, like this is such. This nails like the noir feel. I mean, it's such a perfect throwback. Um, to earlier scores, and I think this might be like the definitive neo noir for me. I, I I don't know. Like, when would you guys say kind of like no, film noir ended and neo noir began? Hmm. I don't think that there's like a specific time or, or cutoff point. Maybe. Hmm, yeah, I guess I want to say. Like I want to say that John Borman's Point Blank with Lee Marvin, maybe that's the first neo noir, but I, I I really don't know. Yeah, I was thinking after like after anything after sixty five would be where the, it would turn over. But there's also there's not a ton of um, noirs in the sixties. Maybe I don't know. B- BFI says Chinatown is the first. Yeah. Okay. The quintessential first wave neo noir, Chinatown. Hmm. What year is that? Six seventy four. Oh, seventy four. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. But yeah, some in the middle that just aren't either. Just kind of in the transition. They're like they can't put them in either camp. You know. Yeah, it could be. Oh, it also yeah, body it, heat. Yeah, breathless. Oh, I was going to say breathless is is also on this list. Nineteen sixty. Like a Dard movie. Huh. Yeah. Thing. Radical revisionist crime films. So, um, so safety. Breathless thing. actually yeah. has the uh, most annoying uh, line delivery of any movie I can think of. Uh-oh. Gene Seberg saying New York Her- Herald Tribune over and over New- again. New York Herald Tribune. <laughs> the way she says it is so irritating to me. Um, but yeah, Body Heat. I think just hits all the right noir notes. Um, and it's, it's, I think it's, you know, an awesome script and it's well directed, but William Hurt is the MVP for me of this mm. movie. I, I, I like Kathleen Turner and the, I, I like the other supporting characters too, but I just think Hurt is on another level. And, um, polo shirts. Yes. Yeah. Now, this is my next uh, note here. <laughs> Those red polos are amazing. I mean, I want to just... I, I, I would like to get a new wardrobe at some point. I only have <laughs> black shirts. Right now, I, I, have, I have about seven or eight black shirts. And I wouldn't mind switching over to seven or eight red polos because his red polos are amazing. And Max, the... The running shorts, that's about a three-inch inseam. It was, is that what you were thinking? 
Mm, yeah, they're yeah. Very short. They're not five. Five is five they're definitely is not decent. five. Yeah, yeah. Five is like work appropriate. Three is you've got to be running, and that's yes. it. So how do you measure the inseam? Like, what is it from weight waist to? This is just the whole side. Is that what it is, or? I think it's like waist to crotch or crotch to thigh. Because I have some that are pretty short, and now I want to see if it's <laughs> what, the, what the measurement is. <laughs> they're definitely not work appropriate, but they're not like you could wear them like outside of my house, and it wouldn't be weird. It's just uh, they're pretty short, and they're, they're similar. That they're that that same style, like with like the that little white stripe down the side or whatever. So I don't know. Mm. Hmm. hmm. Interesting. Yeah, he's. Um, I'll get back to that next time. <laughs> update. Yeah, his character's definitely become a fashion kind of icon for me. <laughs> um, now, sometimes you watch old movies and you see these characters who they drink and smoke all day and night, and you wonder, like, how do these people even function? Mm. But William Hurt can drink, smoke, you chase women. Yeah, seven days a week, and it's very easy for me to believe that he can wake up every morning and run for miles on the beach and then have a cigarette at the end of his run. Yeah, he's just so calm and collected about it. Um, it just, there's not a question in your mind as you're watching this. I'm like, yeah, this makes sense. This is, this is fine. Now, with the window-breaking scene where he throws the chair, I was kind of... Well, one, I, I actually do think it's, I mean, it's pretty ridiculous. Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. But I, I kind of wish he had just fixed it himself, like, the next morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, because, you know, obviously she would have had to get a general contractor or, you know, some kind of handyman out there to repair it. But I thought it would have been pretty cool. If uh, William Hurt had just repaired, done all the repairs himself. It's but probably I, a deleted scene. Oh, what's True. that? It's probably a deleted scene that we never got to see. It probably is. It's Unfilled. on the Blu-ray. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I love the way this story unfolds and the way that facts and details are revealed to William Hurt's character. Like, anytime he has a scene with the lawyer or um, or the detective... The possibility of getting away with the crime just becomes more and more unlikely. But mm-hmm. he, and he does play it cool, like I, I think for the most part. But he, I don't think he can completely hide the fact that, like, he knows the evidence is stacking against them. And um, I love in the police station where the um, the little girl who saw him at the house earlier in the movie. When she oh, arrives yeah. with the mom, and you're just like, oh, this is it for him. Like, it's it's over. And the way he calmly you know, just walks over to her and starts talking to her. Mm-hmm. Like, like, she may have not recognized him anyway. But, you know, in his mind, he, like, he, the way he's treating her kind of makes her not, make, makes her think that it couldn't be him. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. No, that was a note for me, too, how cool he plays situations mm-hmm. where other people would, like, run and hide. That and also how he um, 
he, I don't, want to, I don't want to give too much, well, how he pursues Kathleen Turner after she's under suspicion. He's like, I'll go there every day. You know, like he, where someone else might distance themselves, mm-hmm. he's like going the opposite direction. Like he, he, he really does his best to kind of power through these really situations that would be so stressful as some people who, who would break for sure. Like he doesn't, it seems like almost like on his phone calls he receives that are bad news. He, uh, he shows it more than he does in person. He's very good in person under pressure in this mm-hmm. film. It's really, it's really interesting how he does it. Like, yeah, the scene with the little girl, like that was just brilliant that he made that choice, but like so tense for us watching. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I also, Oh, sorry. One thing this is very important. If you guys want to see a Kasdan film where it is even shorter shorts, and there's also uh, he's all, William Hurt's running, but not wearing the shorter shorts that Kevin Klein's wearing. The Big Chill has a similar <laughs> scene. Yeah, I that's one I hadn't I haven't seen in a long time. I've seen Body Heat and The Big Chill probably ten years ago, or, or maybe even more. Um, but uh, but yeah, I I don't even remember. I couldn't even bring up a single detail about um, the big chill. The big chill. It's just been a long time. Yeah, I'd seen it recently, so I enjoyed it. Um, I'm just surprised, as far as you know, director films he directed that he's not more prolific. It seems like maybe the first two were the best, and then kind of got more uh, almost just mediocre after that. Unless there's mm-hmm. a film I'm not thinking of. But I, just, I didn't see in his filmography anything that really stood out to me after this. Yeah, I can't think of anything either. But, um, yeah, and I also like seeing, I mean, this is kind of along the same lines of the previous note, but I like like seeing Hurt's character kind of react to learning how calculated all of Kathleen Turner's decisions have been from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And in another, and I could see like in another movie, the ending having a scene with Kathleen Turner, um, kind of, you know, in you know, belittling the character and saying like, you know, she had him wrapped around his, her finger from the beginning and all this kind of stuff. I'm glad that doesn't happen in this movie. I kind of like the way she, even when she sees him at the, at the end scene, yeah, she still plays it off like they're in it together. Yeah. And um I um I also like that she's, you know, clearly like the the smarter character between the two of them, but he's not dumb. Like he's really trying to keep her from making some of the decisions that she makes and and you kind of feel his frustrations with her. But, of course, you know, she's doing this in a calculated way. I really mm-hmm. like the way that's done. And, um, yeah, I don't have a whole lot else to say about it, except it, it, a lot of it's just William Hurt related because he's just the greatest. Now, it, I, I did like Mickey Rourke in the movie. I kind of yep. wish he was in it more. Yeah, yeah, he's really good when he's on. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that, too. He's just really compelling. The wise, the wise arsonist. Mm-hmm. I like this line about there's 50 ways a crime can go wrong. 
you, if you're smart, you can think of 25 of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're, you're not so smart or whatever. Yeah. But that was his advice. That was William Hurt's advice to Mickey Rourke, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, who yeah. told me that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which, yeah, was a fun kind of spin on that. So, yeah, his character was great. And, and that scene, his kind of his character reveal with just the music just kind of blaring and <laughs> yeah. making this bomb. <laughs> <laughs> and being the voice of reason, like the guy who's, you know, quote unquote, the criminal is trying to talk um, William Hurt out of out of whatever he's doing. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's like he's like not just saying it like in passing. He's like really trying to help him. Mm-hmm. But like he's got those Kathleen Turner fog fog eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do I really like the scene with uh who plays Kathleen Turner's husband? Is it Richard Crenna? Yeah, it's Crenna. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like the scene where he runs into them at the restaurant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and he tells, um, Crenna tells William Hurt that you know if he ever found out his wife was, he's seeing somebody else. He he says he like strangle him them with his bare hands or something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely bare hands. Um, but of course, you know his him threatening William Hurt is just ridiculous. Hurt would just stomp his throat, right, in those shorts. In those shorts, yeah. It'd be <laughs> and then smoke a cigarette. <laughs> yeah, true. You, you know, you got to. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah. Overall, I mean, I think this is a a pretty gripping movie. I mean, I was in it just every step of the way. I I really enjoyed rewatching it, and I, I'm and I'm I'm going to probably re- rewatch it again pretty soon. Nice. I sure did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there is my notes. There, there was another great line in this one um, when they're revealing the 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 revised will, and I forget who who starts it, but they all start smoking, and one of the characters offers Ted Danson's character a cigarette, and he says, "No, I don't need my own. I'll just breathe the air." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. My friend line. laughed hard at that one. That was that was a great line for sure. Which it is just weird. I mean, again, uh, in in today's time, to see just how common you know cigarettes were in just all sorts of establishments. Mm-hmm. Um, but I that was a that was a that was a fun line. Everyone sweating in this film is great. It's just like a constant theme. It is everyone is just miserable with the heat. I don't know if there's like less air conditioners in that era or that time, but. It is, it is a like it is a Florida movie through and through. Yep, mm-hmm. you know, it just it just captures it well. Yeah. Well, anything else to uh, to say about body heat? Uh, I don't think so. I agree that that ending, if it was like Kathleen Turner rubbing it in his, in his face would not have been nearly as effective, for sure. Mm-hmm. It would have just been kind of, oh, this one was great, but this ending is kind of lame. But they didn't Yeah, it would have felt either too typical or... Well, actually, does that does that happen in Double Indemnity? Mm. 
Did she kind no. of rub it in Fred McMurray's face at all, or? Mm, well, I mean, I guess we could. I mean, spoil, I mean, that's an old movie. We can we can spoil it, but I mean, cause they 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 kill each other, and I don't think so. I I I need to rewatch it. It's it's been a little while. I think it's been about a year or so. Um. Hmm. Yeah, I can't remember if that happens or not. Maybe it doesn't, though. But this, I mean, and this goes like to Hunter to your point too of just William Hurt's character, and and again, spoilers here. But at the end of this movie, with William Hurt in jail, I I found myself like feeling bad for him. But I'm like, well, no, like, wait, he he did kill this guy, <laughs> like, yeah, he did murder yeah. this person. This was not like, you know what I mean? But but uh, I mean, but again, there's the, his his character, like, you know, there's the, there's that sympathy of like, oh, that you know that that you know, Kathleen Turner did this to him, and it's like, well, no. He, he's still guilty of murder. Nothing's going to happen. But uh, one, yeah, one other small detail that Danson nails is when Danson meets uh, William Hurt, like on that dock or whatever. When William Hurt's jogging, and mm-hmm. he tells him some things about Kathleen Turner and like just like that he's in trouble. William Hurt's in trouble, and he feels bad for William Hurt and he wants to console him, but he also knows that he's you know, he's done whatever he's done and he wants to pat him on the back, but he doesn't touch him. He's like, I, I don't want to touch you. Like you get that vibe. Like mm. you're, I, I don't like, I, you're my friend, but I, you know, he does that thing where he like wants to pat him on the back and he resists, I think because he's kind of like a bit repulsed by, it kind of fits with the whole like he's repulsed by the cigarettes. Like he he never like, gets offered a cigarette a bunch and never does smoke it. He has this little almost superiority vibe to him. Mm. Um, Is that what, uh, towards the end where it's like and he's uh, William Hurt says like you know, maybe I should have my lawyer present and then yes. Danson says yeah buddy your lawyer is present yeah yeah okay yeah that that whole interaction. Um, like you're saying that the kind of like for Ted Danson, that realization of like, oh, this guy is like my friend is like mixed up in this thing, um, not just because I think he tries to play it off after the will scene of oh yeah she's like this grieving widow and she wants me to come over and, and hook up with her, um, and then yeah as they find as as him Ted Danson and and, and the, the uh, detective find out more. When they yeah, mentioned they really the like, uh, the calls to the to the hotel and like William Hurt's about to try and justify it and Tendenton's like just don't like mm-hmm. I don't believe you or, yeah 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 should uh, we rate this uh, this sweaty swampy gem yeah well, <laughs> uh, absolutely yes what a uh, John yeah uh, five, go ahead. five five out of five Ooh. whoa oh I. I like I like that a lot. Uh Max? I, I did four and a half, so excellent. Yeah. Alright, um I'm gonna give this a five. Whoa. I think it's an amazing movie. And um This is rare. This rarely happens where I am the lowest rating. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Um I do think Max, though, if you watch it again, I think it'll be a five. 
I might be wrong, but I, I do think if you watch it one more time, it'll bump up to a five. I I may yeah I the Blu-ray is nine ninety seven, so I may purchase that, and then between Blu-ray and then a third watch, we'll see. <laughs> Did you look up the Blu-ray on on Blu-ray dot com? No, I went to Amazon. Oh, you just might want to see how the quality is. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. So we'll, we'll check that out first. But but yeah, I it could happen. Ever say never, you know. Yeah, it's it's a tremendous little piece of uh, of film for sure. And uh, well, Max, do you do you have a stand pick of the week? I do. I I do. I we're gonna go. It's. Semi noir. It's got gangsters, but we're gonna go with Ball of Fire. Um, no, it, it's a comedy. It's a uh, yeah. Sorry, well, Max. It's all right. It's like <laughs> it's like big deal on Madonna Street. You know, we'll call it a noir, yeah. but you know, really, it's a it's a comedy. But no, uh, Barbara Stanwyck, Gary Cooper, maybe one of the best character names I, I've come across. Sugar Puss O'Shea. Uh, is Barbara Stanwyck's character not Gary Cooper? That would be uh, pretty. That'd be pretty. Big. That'd be uh, good though. That's the uh, that's the 2021 remake. Um, but no, this is a uh, this is a it, this is a great one. It's 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 pretty funny. It's a bunch of nerds who get mixed up with Barbara Stanwyck, and, and hilarity ensues. And again, it's it's streaming on Canopy, which if you're not on that, then go get a library card and get on that. And yeah. It's a uh, it's a great watch. So that's my stand pick of the week. Nice. I gave it a four and a half. Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen that movie in a, a really long time. Yeah, it's Howard Hawks, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Yep. Nice. Yeah, and John, John, do you have a free stream of the week? I do. It's a uh, heist by David Mamet. If you want some good, sometimes weird dialogue. This is the guy for you. <laughs> um, I, lo- I I really enjoy a heist movie. I don't know if I've ever experienced a film. It's a lot of twists. It's it's a pretzel. It's a pretzel of a film. <laughs> it might go it might go one twist too far, but uh, if you enjoy um, a lot of interesting twists and turns. It's it's a fun one. Uh, Heist 2001, David Mamet, good dialogue. Gene Hackman. It's on Pluto TV and 2B, the two stars of free streaming with no strings attached. Um, also has Ricky Jay, who's like one of my favorite character actors. Just has a great presence, great voice. Uh, he's in a lot of Mamet films. Um, DeVito's in there too. Sam Rockwell. It's a pretty good cast. Uh, these films, a lot of Mamet films do come off a little bit like plays because that's where Mamet, you know, that's his main thing. But uh, I just enjoy the dialogue and um, I enjoy a good, a good thriller, crime, twist-laden film. And this definitely fits all those categories. Nice. Yeah, I've never seen Heist. Did he direct Homicide? Yes, I haven't also, seen that. Yeah, yeah I haven't seen did. that either. But I feel like those I are kind love, of his big movies. 
the Spanish prisoner. I've always loved it. I don't know why, but I think Steve Martin's in that one. That's yeah, I've never seen it. that one either. It's very interesting. That that has a great. It's it has a neo neo noir feel to it. Mammoth's good with twists. I gotta say, like it keeps me guessing, and uh, I love stuff like that. I can never, I never try to figure things out ahead of time either. I'm not a person who's like, oh, this person did it. I never know. I don't want to know. So I'm easily fooled. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's a good thing Art to be for. Yeah, yeah. I um, I don't usually try to guess either. Although, I guess I do. They, oh, now one thing we didn't talk about with Devil in a Blue Dress is uh, I did think even the first time I watched it, I, I kind of knew what the twist would be with the uh, Daphne character. Um, did you guys see that coming? I didn't think about it, so no. <laughs> Okay. All right, no. Well. Yeah. That, yeah. It. That was uh Didn't see that coming. It was a good. It was a good reveal. Actually, there's one more thing with Devil in a Blue Dress. I, I. 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 Um. When he goes to the jazz club or whatever, he's asking for uh some you know a girl. He's using the name Dahlia. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if it was a reference to like to the back, Black Dahlia. Murder. Hmm. Um. But I, I was trying to find if the movie like used any true, like L.A. crimes from the '40s, or if it was inspired uh, by anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Because the first time I watched the movie, when he asked for Dahlia, I thought of the Black Dahlia murder, and I and I I thought the movie was going to be a murder mystery. Yeah. Um. But uh. But yeah, it didn't seem to really go anywhere. Anyways. All right, so next, I guess we'll preview uh, next week's episode, which we're going to do our top five first-time film noir watches of the year. That That is okay. correct, right? Yeah, that is correct. Yeah. Okay. Which all of mine are going to be from this month. I don't think I watched any film noirs. Well, maybe I, might, maybe I watched a couple in October. Mm. But... Um, hey, you've got I, another week to get some more in. Yeah. If you feel yeah. like it. No pressure. No, I'm going to watch quite a bit. Uh, yeah, if I if I feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> if the mood strikes you, you're not interrupted. Yeah, that's the key. All right. Well, it's the time of it's that time again for the the segment we're never prepared for. Oh, I'm ready this time. I am. So oh, ready. I love it. All right, where can we Beautiful. be found? Instagram.com/slash/semi/underscore/cinematic. Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash semi-cinematicpod. On Letterbox, it's letterbox.com slash semi-cinematic. And uh, our email is semi-cinematicpod at gmail.com. All right. Excellent. Nailed it. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Another plot That's twist. Awesome. I, was ready for the, I was ready for the social media this time. <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for this week's episode. Uh, thanks for listening. Thank you. Thanks. See you next time. Thanks a bunch.